When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Remember that quote, diamonds are a girl's best friend? Yeah, well, that was at a time when women didn't have money and education, okay? Money and education are a girl's best friend, okay? Not and or, it's money and education. Hey, bestie. Welcome to the Spoiled Girly Support Group podcast where we talk about how to get that bag while also securing your own bag. I'm your host, Elle, and let's get into it. On today's episode, we are talking about men's obsession with women's innocence when they're the ones who take it away and misogynistic men's obsession with women's purity when contact with men makes a woman quote-unquote impure. It's almost like they're the impurity. This obsession for innocence and purity is rooted in men's objectification of women. They want to own women, be the first to corrupt women, and then discard women when the job is done. And then they move on to the next victim. And this only works if we believe that we are corrupted, somehow defective after they access us. They only win if we believe they win. So never ever believe what a below bare minimal effort man in survival mode ever tells you about yourself. They're in survival mode and they will do anything and everything to get access to you, corrupt you, and then discard you. They don't see you as human. They see you as an object to own, to conquer, to plunder, and then discard at their own will. Because all those acts of owning, conquering, plundering, and hurting and discarding women, apparently those are celebrated in misogynistic circles of men. We'll also get into how money and education will be women's liberation from the grasps of below bare middle effort men who will make them suffer. We will be covering Poor Things, the book, and the movie because I read the book and watched the movie so we can talk about it, okay? I didn't think much of the book like when I first got it and after like maybe 10% of being into it, I was so hooked, okay? And I'm like, okay, now I get the hype. And so I also saw the movie. And the book and the movie, they're not like the exact same thing, which was kind of cool to see the creative angle that they went with with the movie. I think the movie was really good, but I highly, highly recommend reading the book first so that you kind of get a background of what the movie is about. Because I know that if I just watched the movie without reading the book, I wouldn't get it. But because I read the book first and then watched the movie, I'm like, oh my God, my mind is so blown. Like every little detail has so much meaning. So yeah, let's talk about it. So I like to keep a journal whenever I read things and I kind of want to take this into that direction of like reading the quotes and then kind of talking about it. So let's do that. There's going to be a, a lot of spoilers in this video. So just come back when you've watched the video. But I love spoilers. I want to know exactly what's going to happen so that I can analyze it when I finally see it and really appreciate the details of the film. Like I just have a better experience of the film when I know exactly what's going to happen. So yeah, I don't like surprises. So the premise of the book and the movie revolves around Bella Baxter, who has the brain of 
a baby in a full-grown woman's body. So in the movie, she drowns herself because she's running away from something. And she's pregnant in the movie as well. And Godwin Baxter, who she calls God, is this doctor. And he kind of like Frankensteins her into a full-grown woman with a baby's body. Like So he took the baby from inside her and then put the brain into the full-grown woman's body. So throughout the book, Bella grows up into her body. So she has the brain of a baby and she's learning to like be a person in society. And here's a quote that kind of starts off the book for me. Like this is where it got really interesting for me. You think you're about to possess what men have hopelessly yearned for throughout the ages. The soul of an innocent, trusting, dependent child inside the opulent body of a radiantly lovely woman. So throughout the book, there's just this theme that all the men are mesmerized by Bella's beautiful appearance and her carefree nature, her innocent nature, her trusting nature. But the world is not kind to women who, first of all, are beautiful are trusting are so innocent because you will be corrupted by the real world and you will see this develop throughout the film when Bella kind of wakes up to the reality of the world and how harsh the world is like it's such a shock that the world isn't as amazing as it was within the confines of Godwin Baxter's home like in God's home she was well taken care of she was a woman of privilege she had Godwin as a very loving father figure who basically was having a hard time saying no to her I mean, he's not a good guy either, okay? So none of the men here are good guys. Just a spoiler alert. And we could also say that no one here was a good guy like Bella because she was so self-centered. She also didn't really care for the feelings of other people. But that is what also was so refreshing. She was a woman who wasn't conditioned to care for others. And I think that's also a take on it, you know? Like, what would happen if women just were so aloof? and didn't care about what other people thought, what other people needed, like she was just a woman for herself. Here's another quote that I really liked. Bella has all the resilience of infancy with all the stature and strength of fine womanhood. Her menstrual cycle was in full flood from the day she opened her eyes, so she has never been taught to feel her body is disgusting or to dread what she desires. Not having learned cowardice when small and oppressed, she only uses speech to say what she thinks and feels, not to disguise these, so she is incapable of every badness done through hypocrisy and lying. Nearly every sort of badness. All she lacks is experience, especially the experience of decision-making. Imagine, imagine what the world would be if a lot of us functioned like Bella. I mean, obviously, like I said, she's not a perfect person. Like, she's growing. She's a work in progress. Maybe as we all are. So imagine if a lot of women were like Bella. Like, we didn't feel disgusted by our own bodies. We weren't taught that we were dirty during certain times of the month. Like, when we are just in full acceptance of ourselves, as is, because we've never been taught to feel otherwise. Like, imagine. So here's another quote that I think was interesting. That is how I learned he did not think that kissing hands is love. Love, Wedderburn thinks, only deserves the name when men insert their middle footless leg. Let's talk about this because I read this thing about hookup culture and why the pervasiveness of hookup culture is kind of an illusion or a misnomer. Okay, we need to talk about this because you know how men are so obsessed with women being pure and being untouched by other men, but then they use touching other women or accessing women in that way 
as a trophy that they carry with themselves that they get to tell other people that they get to brag about and i have this issue with the term hooking up because it can mean so many different things and for men they categorize any sort of contact with women as hooking up so that they can tell other men that they hooked up with a certain woman or a certain number of women but for women we have a different definition of hooking up but simply going out on a date with a guy or maybe kissing him the man would consider that as hooking up and then he can tell everyone else that he hooked up with you but it wasn't really the same definition of hooking up that you have for yourself so simply accessing you in a not so intimate way maybe holding hands or kissing or just going out to dinner to him it's hooking up okay so in the book it says that Wedderburn his categorization of love is just you know is it fourth base that is how he categorizes love but for Bella kissing hands is already love so men and women have different ways of how they view certain terms and this is why like you need to be careful of who you allow into your life because simply by being with you simply talking to you in private simply going out to dinner with you in public that is clout he can then use that clout to access better opportunities for himself to be friends with other men to be more attractive to other women oh if someone like her allowed him to access her maybe he's not a bad guy okay simply accessing you is clout and i need you to so remember that and let's talk about wedderburn because in the book and in the movie he is toxic masculinity personified he is bella's first experience of misogyny in the world even though like a lot of women would think that like oh he was nice to her he didn't hit her he didn't like do all these things to her like oh you mean the bare minimum okay and it was so cool seeing bella's growth throughout her time with him the more grown up she became the more books she read the more learned she become the more her frontal lobe developed the less Wedderburn became attractive to her she saw that he was a gambler and in the book he even blamed Bella for spending all his money like all these trips this and that like when he gambled it all that also was a big theme in the book is that men blaming women for their failures when they're the ones who did it to themselves but women are a convenient scapegoat okay like it's happened throughout all of Bella's life so let's talk about the book for a little bit in the book Bella's first husband he was like this general who was injured in the war and he blamed Bella for being a hysteric like she wanted the d too much like she's so hysterical and she needed to have this operation to remove something from her to make her not hysterical anymore and then come to find out that she was hysterical because he got the servant pregnant and not only that he got the servant pregnant and then kicked her out left her destitute in the streets so the servant came to bella asking bella for help and bella well she was victoria at the time but let's just call her bella bella at the time she was a girl's girl okay she was like oh, this is horrific like i want to help you but then her husband comes home and he locks bella upstairs in her room and you know kicks the servant out of the house but you know what bella does she takes her stuff from her room and throws it out the window so that the servant can like take it and sell it and then so the servant could have money and in the book bella was also fully pregnant she was a girl's girl okay and then her husband gaslit her into thinking that like she was the hysterical one like she shouldn't be mad that her husband got the servant girl pregnant at the same time she was like she's the hysterical one no like it's just a valid response to being disrespected and being cheated on 
And then Wedderburn here, he blames Bella for spending all his money on all these travels, all these expensive stuff when he gambled everything away. And actually, Bella gave him the money that Godwin sewed into her coat lining so that she'd be able to go home, right? So she gave that to Wedderburn and guess what he did? He gambled it away. And then he got committed to an insane asylum and blamed everything on Bella. Like she sucked me dry, like she's a devil, she's a demon. He even blamed Godwin too. You set her upon me knowing what she was and blah, blah, blah. And then at the end of the book, it kind of gets revealed that Wedderburn had to commit himself to an insane asylum because he embezzled all his clients' funds and declaring insanity was his ticket out of jail. So once again, blaming Bella, the woman, for his failures. So here's the plot twist that I didn't really expect. The book is basically set up to be like the journal of a doctor. It was supposed to be like this medical thing. And at the end of the book, the plot twist is that none of it was real. Okay, that's the plot twist. Like you need to read the book and then watch the movie because then it'll just be like a richer experience. That's why the movie kind of looks like that. It's because it's like a dream, it's made up, okay? So that's why it has like that dream-like quality. So in the book, it is revealed in the end by Bella in real life. She, as a doctor, oh yeah, she becomes like a full-on doctor in the end because Godwin was a doctor and he taught her, you know, to be a doctor and she went to medical school and this and that. So she's very accomplished and she's actually more accomplished than her husband. And because Godwin left her all the money, she made all these investments and that's how her husband had his way in society and he got like all these positions and he now gets to rub elbows with people who are high in society because he was born like a peasant kind of level. So he has like this insecurity about that. Like he knows that he married up. So in the book, he had to tone Bella down a little bit, you know, like, oh yeah, she's smart, she's beautiful, but she has the brain of a baby. So once again, it's McCandles this time who in the movie is portrayed to be like this super like nice guy. He's the nice guy. In the, oh. And he even kind of looks like a nice guy stereotype, like with a neck beard. So yeah, that was the book. Like it's basically just blaming the woman, Bella, for everyone else's failures. Let's move on to this quote that really validated me in a way. Do not quarrel with the institution before you have seen through all its workings and understand them. Meanwhile, use your free intelligence to plan better ways. I had beef with this for a little bit, but I'm like, it doesn't really matter if you quarrel with institutions because they are so big. And a lot of the times, the things that we have beef with are bigger than ourselves and I hate to be like so helpless and so powerless but there's really not much you can do about things that have been ingrained for so long like we always talk about how our society has pre-programmed misogyny like we hate women and it's a fact like men hate women women hate women like but we are so much freer nowadays to think about these things and plan better ways. And that's what we're doing here in this book early support group is just plan better ways. And the better ways are not gonna look the exact same for every single woman. Like we're gonna have different ways for different people, you know? So we talked about individuation in this class. It's basically pursuing your true self, not at the expense of others, but also not at the mercy of others. So it's not individualism and it's not collectivism. It's somewhere above that. It transcends that, but it's also something in between. It's, you know, it's a vibe. So we're all just done getting mad. Like we're now getting paid, we're planning, we're doing our own thing and just making our way in the world. Like we're done being policed to move against our own best interests. 
We are done catering to others if it means we sacrifice so much of ourselves. We are done being nice. We are done thinking of others first when they never think of us first. Okay? Like we are only giving the same energy to people who give us the same energy back. And everyone else gets ignored. Especially when you learn that as a woman, you are the prize. You are the source. You are literally the source of all of their desires. Okay? They literally crumble without us. Okay, and then they blame their crumbling on us leaving them. Like, make it make sense. Here's another quote. Bella's talking about her mother. Of my mother, I have only this to say. She was unselfish and hardworking and taught me how useless these virtues are when separated from courage and intelligence. I will forever stand by servant mindset, which is serving the people around you. But then you curate the people around you in the first place, and then you become a servant to them at your own discretion. And... As much as productivity culture, like a really strong work ethic is like, it can be a bad thing when it's too much, but working feels good. Like having a purpose and embodying and pursuing your purpose every day feels really good. So being unselfish and hardworking, I think are great, but Bella's right. They're so useless without courage and intelligence. They are so useless without you standing up for yourself and without you knowing that you should stand up for yourself. And let's get into this because I feel like it's such an important detail in the book and in the movie is that Bella is a woman of financial privilege and has a high social standing. And she also is becoming more and more educated as time went by. So money and education are the key to women's liberation. Money and education is what's gonna help you fully decenter men so that you can move in your own best interests. So that you can choose to be with a man and be with a certain man and not have to cater your whole existence to men at your own expense. Money and education. Let's talk about this. The 2010s girl boss feminism, it preached money, money, money. And that was harmful, like we all burnt out, okay? So there's definitely a balance there. And then there's people who pursued education, like be disgustingly overeducated, like that's a vibe. But you forgot about the money part. So now you have all these student loans, you have this degree that has such a low ROI and you don't have a trust fund backing you. So now you have all the education, but not the money, okay? It's not money and or education, it's money and education. Remember that quote? Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Yeah, well, that was at a time when women didn't have money and education, okay? Money and education are a girl's best friend, okay? Not and or, it's money and education. So I think that wraps up my whole book and movie review about poor things. I highly recommend both, like read the book first and then watch the movie because it's good entertainment, but it also gets the gears turning and thinking about all the things. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed this review and let me know if you would like to see more of this. Okay, that's all I have for you today. I just wanted to let you know that you have so much inherent worth and value in a world that is hell-bent on devaluing you. Now get that bag, bestie. <laughs>